This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. It's Zuma Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zuma Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, as often happens, our two shows tonight just get in under the wire if I stop talking right now. Pretty clear what I got to do then, isn't it? Here's George Burns and Gracie Allen. Another cup of Maxwell House coffee, George? Sure. Pour me a cup, Gracie. You know, Maxwell House is always good to the last <laughs> drop. And that drop's good, too. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. With yours truly, Bill Goodwin, the music of Meredith Wilson and his orchestra, our happy postman Mel Blank, Elliot Lewis, and Robert Bentz. For your Thursday night comedy enjoyment, it's George and Gracie. And for your everyday coffee-drinking enjoyment, it's Maxwell House, the coffee that's always good to the last drop. It's breakfast time as we look in at the Burns home today, and George and Gracie are looking at the morning paper. My goodness, George, did you read this? Some burglars sawed through a man's door and took everything in his house. Yeah, there's really a crime wave. Every day you read about more burglaries and robberies. Oh, George, why don't you ask Bill Goodwin to move in with us? Why? Well, I'd feel safer with a man around the house. <laughs> How about me? Yeah, you'd be safer, too. <laughs> Thanks, but I can protect both of us. Well, George, if you won't let Bill Goodwin move in, let's go down to the pet shop and get a watchdog. I'll feel safer if I have protection. But, honey, when you've got me, you've got protection. I'm just the same as a dog. <laughs> Why, George, that's the first time you've ever agreed with my mother. <laughs> Let's go to the pet shop. Oh, here we are, George. Potter's Pet Shop. How do you do? May I help you? Well, yes. I um, want to look over your supply of dogs. Very well. 
Would you like a little peek? No, I want to take a real good look. <laughs> By a peek, madam, I meant a Pekingese, the royal dog of China. Oh, no, that wouldn't do at all. I can't speak a word of Chinese. <laughs> madam. Suppose I wanted to tell this Chinese dog his dinner was ready. By the time I got an interpreter, his chop suey would be cold. Gracie, that's enough about the Chinese dog. All right, dear. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Perhaps, madam, you would prefer a bulldog. No, no, I prefer a burglar dog. We uh, don't expect bulls to break into our house. <laughs> I'm beginning to catch on. At least I think I am. You want a dog to protect you from burglars? Yes. Good. How about a boxer? No, I don't want the dog to box with the burglars. I want him to bite them. Madam. Oh, if he wore boxing gloves, it would keep his nails from scratching the furniture. Sir, is this your wife? Yes. <laughs> is she often like this? Just overlook it. <laughs> Takes practice, I suppose. Yes. Well, here I go again. Keep trying, kid. <laughs> Madam, I withdraw my suggestion about the boxer Instead, how about a Doberman pincher? No, I don't want the dog to pinch the burglars either <laughs> if, if, if you've got a Doberman biter, I'll take it Keep punching, kid <laughs> How about a setter? Yeah. He sounds too lazy <laughs> How about a pointer? Mm. He sounds too impolite how about going to another shop? <laughs> no, no, I'm sure we can work something out. You work it out. I'll see you later. I'm going home. You'll have to excuse my husband, Mr. Potter. He's the nervous type. I understand. Believe me. I... <laughs> Would you still like to buy a dog? Yes, yeah. Oh, this dog is kind of cute. What is he? A Spitz. Choose tobacco, huh? <laughs> Day and night. Oh, well, then I better not take him. Oh, here's a wonderful dog. A great big fellow. What kind is he? A St. Bernard. He's the dog that's famous for carrying a keg of brandy around. Oh, it seems to me that your dogs are not very well brought up. That one chews and this one drinks. <laughs> I'm sure a good home would straighten him out. Well, he's certainly the right size to frighten away burglars. Oh, boy. Ah, <laughs> uh <-huh. Good. Don't bother to wrap him up. I'll just carry him. Yes. But on second thought, he's big enough to carry me. Yes. I'll drop by tomorrow and tell you if my husband likes him. Well, not tomorrow, madam. I've decided to take a week off in a sanitarium. <laughs> Goodbye now. <laughs> and see our dog. Oh, you finally bought one, mm -hmm. huh? St. Bernard. Oh, he's so big and friendly, except when he sees a bum or a tramp, of course. Then he's guaranteed to growl. Good. Let's take a look at the pooch. Doggy, this is your master. The man you're going to protect. Say hello to him. Supposed to growl at bums. 
Now say hello. <laughs> Isn't he making a little mistake? Well, I don't know. They're awfully intelligent. Gracie, you better get rid of this fur-bearing elephant. He doesn't like me. Well, just show him that you're his master. Stand there and look him right in the eye. Okay. Kneel down, doggy, so George can look you in the eye. <laughs> Forget it. How can we feed this big mutt? Oh, it won't be expensive. When we buy our meat, the butcher can throw in something for the dog. If the dog opens his mouth, we can throw in the butcher. <laughs> but George, think of the protection he'll give us. He's trained to bite any suspicious character when you say sick him. <laughs> George Burns, get your leg out of that dog's mouth. It was his idea, not mine. Call him off. Let go of George's leg, doggy. If you want an old bone, I'll get you one at the market. Well, this is going to be one happy little family. Meredith. Did you ever stop to think how many songs the moon has inspired? Quite a few, Bill, but for lasting popularity, there aren't many to equal Wabash Moon. All of which is a tribute not just to the song, but to the Wabash River and the pleasant, friendly state of Indiana. Well, they've got a lot to be proud of out there in the Hoosier country. From the flat, fertile farmlands where the tall corn grows, to the sycamore-shaded banks of the Wabash itself, you'll find a brand of hospitality that's famous. And a way of life that makes Indiana a mighty welcome and inviting part of the American scene. Brings to mind how Maxwell House coffee truly belongs to the American scene, too. Why folks have been expressing their hospitality with Maxwell House for generations. And today in this coffee-drinking nation, more people buy and enjoy Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee at any price. It's Maxwell House wherever you go. Flavors behind this nationwide preference, that good-to-the-last-drop Maxwell House flavor that results from the skillful blending of these superior Latin American coffees. Manizales for mellowness. Medellins for richness. Other choice coffees for vigor. And Bucaramanga's for full body. Resulting in coffee you enjoy at its flavor peak. So, friends, why not know the extra pleasure of extra good coffee? You can for just a fraction of a penny more per cup than you'd pay for the cheapest coffee sold. Just you say, Maxwell House, always good to the last... Drop. Now sit up. Come on, sit up. That's it. Now shake hands. Now lie down, roll over. Roll over. That's good. Now play dead. Ah, oh, that's wonderful, George. Now, doggy, see if you can do it. 
I showed you how, you big stupid mutt. <laughs> oh, quiet, quiet. Oh, George, doesn't it give you a wonderful sense of protection to have a big, fierce watchdog in the house? If any undesirable person tries to get in, you just say, sick him. George, stop teasing him. Get your leg out of his mouth. <laughs> turn loose, turn loose. And Gracie, stop saying that. Every time you do, he grabs me. <gasps> oh, dear, someone's at the door. I'm afraid to open it. The dog might bite them. Good, I could use a rest. <laughs> Come in. Good morning, Mr. and Mrs. Moon. Here's your meal. Oh, my goodness. You've got a Shetland pony. No, that's our new watchdog. Hello, big boy. Oh, don't try to pet him. He'll tear you apart. <laughs> Look at that big moose. He's licking the postman's hand. Oh, I love dogs. I've got a big old ugly bloodhound, but my wife wants me to get rid of him. Why? I keep making the same mistake. I come home and pat my wife and kiss the bloodhound. <laughs> they look exactly alike. You'd better not say that around the house. You're right. The dog would kill me. <laughs> would you like to take this dog home, Mr. Postman? He despises me. Oh, no, he doesn't, George. If you were in danger, he'd protect you. Mr. Postman, you start kicking George and see what happens. Very well. Take that. Oh, now, you see, George, he's protecting you. Protecting me? He's got me by the seat of my pants. Well, sure, that's so the postman can't kick you there. Let go of me, you monster. Oh, goodbye, Mr. Burns. Remember, keep smiling. <laughs> Keep smiling, he says, with this canine Sidney Greenstreet hanging, hanging out of my pants. Oh, quiet, quiet. George, I'm going out to the kitchen to get the dog some water. While I'm gone, make friends with them. How? I'd love to. Well, they say music hath charm. Sing to him. Let him, let him hear his master's voice. What's the idea? Well, you see, you sing so beautifully, Sugar Throat. I do? Oh, yes. You're the male Margaret Truman. Well, I'll try Now, I'll be right back Well, get a load of this, Pooch Ain't misbehaving all by myself No! <laughs> Cut that out Ain't misbehaving all no! by <laughs> Ain't misbehaving no! Look, give me a chance. <laughs> Ain't misbehaving all by myself. Oh. George, that was beautiful. Especially that high note in the end. <laughs> that was the dog. Oh. Well, think some more. I won't do it. Well, just hum then. Oh, that was beautiful. That's the door buzzer. <laughs> now, who could that be? I hope it's the dog catcher. Come in. Hello, all. Oh, you got a St. Bernard. Nice doggy. Oh, look out, Meredith. He'll tear you limb from limb. <laughs> oh. Look, George. He's licking Meredith's face. Oh, fine. He tears off my leg and drools on every stranger. Well, all dogs like me, George. When I was a boy back on the farm and 
Mason City, Iowa, I had a wonderful dog named Rover. If a fox tried to rob the hen house, I'd just say, sick him. Whoa, whoa. Oh, George. <laughs> George, can't you keep your leg out of that dog's mouth? Yes, George. It seems very inconsiderate. How would you like it if I put my leg in your mouth? I'd love it. George, tell us more about Rover, Meredith. Well, we were more than just a boy and his dog. We were real friends. He shared his bed with me. Oh, Meredith, didn't it bother you when he scratched for fleas? No, it felt good. (laughs) Well, sir... One day, poor Rover got a hold of some bad food and began to sicken. To what? Sicken. George, there you go again, sticking your leg in the dog's mouth. Yes, George. I cannot stand here and watch you torment this noble animal. Do you mind if I go? If you will. (laughs) Some watchdog you drank on. The postman and Meredith, two guys he's never seen before, walk in and he loves them. Well, he probably sensed that they were friends of ours. But just let some stranger come along and I'll bet he'll tear them apart. Yes. Answer the door, darling. I'm going to fix some lunch. Yes? How about buying some magazine subscriptions, old-timer? Old-timer? Yeah, I got some great ones here. The Glass Blowers Journal. I don't want any. And get your foot out of the door. Now, don't try to brush me off, old-timer. This is what I've been waiting for. Okay, dog. Sick of... Not me. Not me. <laughs> Grab him. Well, what a nice big dog. Hello, Buster. <laughs> oh, fine. Him he likes, too. Well, as I was saying, old-timer, how about a ten-year subscription to the Motorman's Weekly? The Motorman's Weekly? Get out of here. <laughs> Looks like the dog's on my side. You better take the Motorman's Weekly. Okay, I'll take it. Now on your way. Uh, not so fast, old-timer. How about a 20-year subscription to the Chinchilla Breeders' Gazette? <laughs> Are you kidding? Beat it. <laughs> Sign right here, old-timer. This is Murder. It's Meredith Wilson and his music, Till the Clouds Roll By.
as soon as this doghouse is finished, in you go. Hi, George. What are you doing? Hello, Bill. I'm finishing a doghouse for this four-legged Swiss Alp that Gracie bought. <laughs> What's he doing? Oh, it's kind of a race. I'm building a house for him, and he's digging a hole for me. <laughs> Just a question of which one of us finishes first. Well, gee, he's a nice big dog. Hi, fella. <laughs> oh, fine. You, he likes too. Me, he bites in the leg. Bites your leg, huh? Must be a southern dog. Likes ham hocks. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> Doghouse is finished. Okay, Mutt. In you go. <coughs> Come on. Get in the doghouse. <coughs> okay, then. I'll push you. <coughs> Come on, now. <coughs> well, this will do it. <coughs> Let me out of here. Let me out. <laughs> you know, it's funny how some dumb animals are smarter than other dumb animals. <laughs> George? Usual place in the doghouse. Oh, George Burns, you come out of there. How do you expect to make friends with this dog? First you keep sticking your leg in his mouth, and now you take his house. Gracie, either this dog leaves or I leave. One of us has to get out. But, George, I need protection against burglars. Well, then choose between us. Either the dog protects you or I protect you. Now, which do you keep? Your husband or a St. Bernard? Well, naturally, there's only one choice to make. Sure. Will you take care of him, Bill? Give him a nice warm place to sleep and food to eat. Oh, sure, Gracie. I'll take care of him. Come along, George. <laughs> George, huh? Hey, Gracie, did you hear what the comedian said? <laughs> he thinks you want me to go instead of the dog. Straighten him out. Bill, see that George gets his Maxwell House coffee every morning. Huh? I will, Gracie. That's a perfect way to start each day. Rich, delicious, mellow Maxwell House coffee. Uh, how many cups do you drink, George? Three. I mean, there's a mistake. No, you can have as many as you want. After all, Maxwell House is bought and enjoyed by more people than any other brand of coffee in the world. And no wonder careful selection and blending of premium Latin American coffees plus radiant roasting add up to that famous good-to-the-last-drop flavor you get in no other coffee. Gracie, you want me to go to Bill's and the dog to stay here? Well, just till the burglar scare is over, George. Take care of him, Bill. See that he takes his exercise every morning. Have you got a window he can open? Uh, yes. Oh, that's his exercise. <laughs> Gracie. And Bill, be sure to test his bath water before he gets in the tub. See if it's too hot? No, too deep. <laughs> Gracie. Remember, Bill, I'm sending you my most precious possession. Oh, that won't be necessary, Gracie. I got plenty of Maxwell House coffee. <laughs> Look, you Silex jockey for two cents. <laughs> no home should be without Maxwell House coffee, Gracie. And no home has to be without it. Maxwell House is the very best in coffee drinking enjoyment, yet it costs but a fraction of a penny more per cup than the cheapest coffee you can buy. That's why so many millions agree today's coffee buy is Maxwell House. The coffee that's always good to the last drop. Now, come along, George. Now, wait a minute. Goodbye, wait. George. Be good to him, Bill. Help him get dressed in the morning. 
I can dress myself. I know, but it looks so much neater if it's laced in the back. <laughs> yeah, but of course it isn't laced up. The stays might stick them. Might what? Stick them. Oh, George Burns, for the last time, get your leg out of that dog's mouth. Well, that does it. First thing in the morning, this snapping turtle goes back to the pet shop. Now I'm going in and take an aspirin. Well, looks like you're going to lose your dog, Gracie. <laughs> oh, it'll break my heart. Bill, I've got an idea. Tonight, you rob our house. Huh? I mean, you'll pretend to be a burglar. The dog will chase you away, be a big hero, and George will let me keep him. Well, I'd like to do it, Gracie, but at 8.15, I've got a date with the girl I'm engaged to marry. <laughs> Call her and postpone it. I can't. I don't know her name. <laughs> Rob the house at 8 o'clock. I'll get George to bed by then. Yeah, okay, Gracie. I'll see you at 8. Oh, ho, ho, hum. My, I'm getting tired. Let's go to bed, dear. Go to bed? Mm-hmm. It's only 8 o'clock. It's too early. But going to bed early puts roses in your cheeks. I've already got roses in my cheeks. But I don't like yellow roses. I'm not going to bed I'm not sleepy All right I'll read to you From this magazine That the salesman left here The Motorman's Weekly? Put it down But this looks like A wonderful article It's called Life Can Be Beautiful On a Streetcar in Scranton Sounds beautiful By John Connors Motorman Junior Gray He says uh, I like my job very much John Connors says that It is a good job the first stop I make is at the corner of First and Main. There I pick up passengers. Some are men, some are women. The second stop I make is at the corner of Second and Main. There I pick up more passengers. Some, some are, are men, some, some are women. <laughs> the third is, stop... there, is there much more of that? Oh, pages of it. Isn't it fascinating? Oh, it's fascinating, yeah. <laughs> the third stop I make is at the corner of Third and Main. There I pick up more passengers. Some are men, some, some are, are women. women. Yes, yes. I don't pick up many children. They like to walk. The fourth I think I'll go to bed. Oh, that's a good <laughs> idea, Judge. You run along and I'll lock up. Yes. Good night. Good night, dear. Mm. Thought I'd never get rid of him. Poor Bill must be waiting outside. Are you there, Bill? Yeah. Let's hurry. My babe is waiting. All right. The dog is in the den. Yeah. When you go in, he'll bark and I'll call George. Then you jump out the window and let him see you running away. Yeah, okay. Come on. Oh, darn it. The dog's asleep. Wake up, doggy. Wake up. Oh, please, please wake up, doggy. We've got a burglar. I don't think anything will wake him, Gracie. Oh, why not? I just noticed I've been standing on his tail. <laughs> oh, Bill, you make a noise like a dog. Lay your ears back and howl. <laughs> Me? Well, sure, I've seen you do it many times at Hollywood and Vine. <laughs> okay. But the dog scared him away See, there he goes out the window My golly, you're right mm, Now aren't you proud of our watchdog He's a hero Yeah, I owe him an apology Doggy, I was wrong about you You, you... 
Hey, he's asleep. Ah, uh-huh, well, he's exhausted. He leaped at the burglar and chased him around the room and bit him. Wait a and... minute, wait a minute. You're making this up. This silly pooch is dead to the world. Oh, honestly, George, he almost tore the burglar apart. I didn't even have to say sick him. Won't let go of my leg. <laughs> What a watchdog. There he is. Sound asleep again. Look at him. Sprawled out on the floor like a rug. Isn't that awful? Oh, it certainly is. Pick him up, George, and put him in our bed. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Join us again next week when we'll all be back. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Meredith Wilson and his orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Goodwin. The George Burns and Gracie Allen show is written by Paul Henning and Keith Fowler. Until next Thursday, then, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's number one preferred brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. And now stay tuned in for Noah Webster Says, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Time now for Sergeant Preston of the Yukon and Challenge of the Yukon, episode entitled Man in the Fur Cap. The Challenge of the Yukon. It's King, swiftest and strongest lead dog of the North Country. Blazing the trail for Sergeant Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police in his relentless pursuit of lawbreakers. On King! On your husky! Gold. Gold discovered in the Yukon. A stampede to the Klondike in the greedy race for riches. Now back to the days of the gold rush when Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog King battled through storm and snow to preserve law and order as they met the challenge of the Yukon. The Gold Nugget Cafe in Dawson City was crowded as usual. In one corner of the room, four men sat playing poker. One of the players was a big man who sat silently, wearing a fur cap with the ear laps pulled down, though the room was hot and stuffy. Dan Wilkins, the man sitting next to him, was talkative and good-natured. He turned to the man in the fur cap while the cards were being dealt. Well, you hardly said a word all evening, stranger. You just got into town today, didn't you? Yeah. Well, you must be getting kind of warm in here with that fur cap pulled down around your ears. Why don't you take it off? Because I don't feel like it. Maybe he's bald-headed and don't want us to know it. <laughs> I don't think it's anybody's business. Oh, you've just been drinking too much. It spoils your sense of humor. Are you going to play poker or just sit there and blab? Hey, drinking makes you kind of nasty, don't it? You're enough to make anyone lose his temper without drinking. <laughs> I think if we took that fur cap off him, he'd feel better. <laughs> there, I got it. <laughs> give me that cap, you fool. I said, give it to me. Oh. It'll teach you to mind your own business. Hey, there wasn't a call for that. What did he do to you? He hit Dan. Listen, stranger, that wasn't necessary. What's wrong with you, anyway? And what are you going to do about it, smart Alec? I'll show you. No, you don't. Oh, hey, he shot me. Now stand back, all of you. I'll give you a taste of this lead. 
anybody try to come out of it. Is Pete all right? Stand back, he's shot. Somebody get a doctor. The following morning at the headquarters of the Northwest Mounted Police, Inspector Grayson listened carefully to Sergeant Preston, who stood before him with his big lead dog, King, at his side. By the time I got to the Gold Nugget Cafe, the man who pulled a gun on Pete had disappeared. I searched the town, but there was no sign of him. Have you a good description of him, Sergeant? When Dan pulled his cap off, sir, the men noticed that half of his left ear was gone. That must have been why he kept the sides of his cap pulled down. It's a strange thing to be sensitive about up here in the Yukon, where so many have lost their ears entirely from freezing. He also had a long scar, as if he'd been grazed by a bullet on his right cheek. Scar on his right cheek? Uh, just a minute, Sergeant. The poor from Whitehorse just came in this morning. Wait, uh... Oh, yes, yes. Here it is. I wonder if this man could be the one that they're looking for. Tall and slim, scar, bullet wound on right cheek. Part of left ear missing. That's the man, Sergeant. What's he wanted for, sir? For murder in Montreal. Hmm. Seems he killed his employer, the owner of a circus. This man worked in a sharpshooting act. So that's why he was so handy with a gun. See, he's very dangerous. Very quick-tempered. Accurate with a gun. That's too bad we didn't have this report earlier. We might have prevented what happened last night. Will Dan live? I think so, sir. We must get this man as soon as possible. Now, we may have left town, but look here first. He could be hiding out in a cabin somewhere. I'm putting you on the assignment, Sergeant. Find him. I'll do my best, sir, but uh, it may take some time. He'll know we're looking for him. You'll get him all right, Sergeant. You always do. You and that dog of yours. West of Dawson in the town of Forty Mile, old Jim Bruce stood talking to a friend of his at the bar in the Northern Lights Cafe. Jim was a bachelor and owned one of the richest gold claims in the vicinity. Suddenly a man standing next to him bumped against him. Hey, steady there, mister. Hey, what's the idea of shoving me? Why well, didn't shove you? You were the one who bumped me. Guess you're a little unsteady on your feet, partner. Oh, so you think I've had too much to drink? I don't pay any attention to him, Jim. He's a little top-heavy. You shoved me and you said I was drunk. <laughs> well, mister, if I shoved you and you're not drunk, there's something wrong with my eyesight. <laughs> Calling me a liar and saying I shouldn't have anything more to drink. Why, now, you... Now, stranger, if you take that fur cap off and uncover your ears... Maybe you'd find out what's being said. Oh, Jim, don't talk to him. He's getting ugly. What I wear on my head is my business. Sure, it's your business. Now, go ahead and mind it. But listen, you old fathead. You trying to get out of this argument? Barney, why don't you throw this pest out of here? I'll show you who'll get out of here. Back where I come from, this is how we settle things. This gun. He's pulling the gun. Look out. Move my hand. Shut that gun. Holy smoke, Jim. Somebody sure saved your life. That was close. I'll say it was close. Who did it? I did it, mister. The woman. That girl shot that gun. Uh, she must have. It came from that table. In your feet there. Make you pretty smart, don't you, sister? Well, you can just buy me a new gun. You smash that one all to pieces. Listen, you big You better get out of this cafe before I start clipping the ends off your mustache with this gun of mine. <laughs> now, now, kid, come back to our table. You shouldn't have got us into this. It ain't ladylike, all these men. Grandpa, go sit down. It's anybody's business to save a man from getting killed. 
All right, you. Get out of here, like I said. Why, you yeah, little... Yeah, get out, like the lady said, or we'll give you some help. Yeah. Come on, boy. Look, help him if you won't go. Out you go. Come on. You'll be sorry for this lady, whoever you are. I uh, sure want to thank you, miss, for saving my life. That was mighty good shooting. Oh, that's all right, mister. I saw him pull that gun on you, and I... I did it without thinking. Come on over and sit at our table, mister. I'd be glad to. Poor Grandpa. I guess you haven't eaten your supper. You're going to get us in trouble with that gun of yours, kid. Grandpa. I uh, guess I'd better introduce myself. I'm Jim Bruce. And I'm Kit Brown. This is my grandpa, Andy Brown. I do. You two just get to 40 Mile? Yes. We sold our ranch in the States. Heard about this gold rush, and nothing would satisfy Kit till we took a crack at it. Ain't like we thought, though. What do you mean? According to the stories we heard, all you had to do was come up here, dig a hole, and there was gold. <laughs> I'm afraid it's a little harder than that. It sure is. We went to Dawson first, but couldn't even find a place to stay. Thought we'd try this town, but it's just as bad. Why, they charge a dollar just to sleep on the floor with about 50 other people. Well, you mean you can't find a room in any hotels? Everything's packed to the roof. Even if we had enough money to pay for it, we couldn't find a place. Food's so plagued high, just about all our cash is used up. Grandpa, you don't have to tell all our private business. If you'd have used your head a few minutes ago, maybe we'd have got enough money to get along on. Why, what do you mean? Well, you see, Mr. Bruce, nobody ever thinks a woman can shoot not many of them can. Kit can always earn money by getting in a shooting contest with somebody and betting she can beat him. I always tell them I'm a good shot, but they don't believe it. We always win. Because Kit here can outshoot any man I ever see. Now she went and spoiled it all. Grandpa, keep still. I couldn't let that man kill Mr. Bruce right in front of my eyes. Well, no, I... Yes, you couldn't rightly do that. You mean nobody will get into a shooting match with Kit now, huh? That's it. This story will fly all over town like wildfire. We won't get anybody to shoot again or now, let alone betting on it. We won't even have money enough to eat or a place to live. Of course, you're forgetting the fact that this little lady just saved my life. Huh? You mean you're going to reward her? Now, Grandpa, don't say that. You know I couldn't accept money for anything like that. Well, I was just asking. Well, if it embarrasses you to take money, I'd like to propose something else. I live all alone out here in a big cabin. You're both welcome to come out and stay until we can figure something out for you. Oh, no, that, that's too much to ask. Uh, maybe to be Are easier... Are you a prospector? Yep, got a very good gold claim, and I could use some help. Maybe your grandfather here could help me work it, and uh, I could take some shooting lessons from you, young lady. I don't know a thing about guns, and that's a handy thing to know around here. That's mighty nice of you, Mr. Bruce. Uh, but, Kit, do you think... Now, I... Grandpa, we may as well admit we're in a bad spot. Mr. Bruce is a lifesaver. I don't know how to thank you, Mr. Bruce. We'll sure be happy to accept your hospitality. Why, you're the one who's the lifesaver. Now, you two get your baggage and move right out to my cabin. And I'll teach you all I know about you. <laughs> two days later, in the claim office at 40 Mile, Jed Smith, the prospector, stood at the desk talking to the claim clerk. I hear Jim Bruce didn't do a thing about that man that pulled a gun on him in the Northern Lights Cafe day before yesterday. Uh, Jim says maybe the man is only threatening him. <laughs> anyway, he'd had too much to drink. 
You said little lady completely ruined his 45. There's the fanciest shooting I ever saw. Knocked the gun right out of his hand. Well, speak of the devil. He's a man in fur cap now. Howdy. Well, hello. I'm Jace Rank. I came in to file a claim on the Fox River. Well, you strike something already? I think so. Uh, whereabouts on the Fox River are you locating? Uh, right at the bend. There's an old abandoned shack right there. I'm repairing it. You don't mean it. Why, why there's no gold around there, Rankin. That used to be my claim. I abandoned it a long time ago. Y- your claim? Oh, I don't own it anymore. Only there's no use of your wasting your time around there. I prospected ever into that. Well, I guess you just weren't very thorough. I hit a streak of pay dirt. did? <laughs> well, golly, Jed, the boys will sure have a laugh on you. Leaving a claim and having a tenderfoot come in and find gold there. Uh, I just can't believe it. I guess maybe I'm just luckier than you are, that's all. Now, uh, would you mind drawing up them papers? Oh, I'd be glad to. The boys will sure get the laugh on me. Now, listen, Rankin, uh, don't spread the story around. Uh, you, Bob, you know how the boys will rag me. Please don't tell them. Well, I won't tell them, Jed. You'd never hear the last of it. Thanks. And uh, you, Rankin? Don't worry about me. I don't mix much with people. I just as soon they didn't know about it. I don't want any neighbors moving in around me. I'd be glad to keep it a secret. Thanks, boys. I sure appreciate that. It was a week later. Jim Bruce sat in a comfortable chair before the stove while Kit busied herself making hot tea. Kit, you're spoiling me, fussing around the way you're doing, and all I got's just a little cold. The time to cure a cold is when it begins. Now, you drink this tea and warm your inside. Thanks. I should be working at the mine with your grandfather. There's nothing wrong with me. Sitting in the house for two whole days and letting you baby me. It's silly. It's high time somebody took care of you. You go out and work in that cold mine and you'll really be sick. Your grandpa's the one who should be sitting here instead of me. That shoulder of his gives him lots of trouble. Grandpa's had that sore shoulder for so long he's used to it. I wish he was more helped. Well, even though he can't get much gold out of that mine, makes him happy to be working. I've decided I'm going to give him all he takes out. Ain't enough to worry about. You're going to do no such thing. We've got to do something to pay for our board and key. You're teaching me to shoot, ain't you? And you're helping me around the house. I never realized how lonesome I was living here all by myself till you and your grandpa come to live with me. Have you any family, Mr. Bruce? Yeah, I've got a brother. But I haven't seen him for nigh on to 30 years. Well, I guess I'll start calling you Uncle Jim. And pretend I'm part of your family. Oh, I'd like that, kid. If I'd had a granddaughter... She'd be just about your age, I reckon. Oh, someone's coming. What? That sounds like Sergeant Preston. Sergeant Preston? Who's he? He's an old friend of mine. A Mountie. A Mountie? Now you just sit down and I'll let him in. Don't you do it. Think I want him laughing at me for pretending I'm sick? <laughs> I'll let him in. Hello, Jim. How are you, Sergeant Preston? Thought that was your voice. Come on in. Bring King. One thing. What brings you up to 40 Mile? Story I heard about you. Oh, uh, Sergeant, this is Kit Brown. Sergeant Preston. How do you do? Howdy. Uh, is that dog of yours dangerous? No, not at all. He never bites women. You don't have to be afraid. He's about the smartest dog I ever saw. He understands everything the sergeant says. <laughs> don't you, boy? These big wolf dogs up here scare me. 
I'm not used to him. Kit's a newcomer up here, Sergeant. Or take your park off and sit down. I'll pour you a cup of tea. I just made some. Oh, thanks. I could use it. I'll uh, hang this right here. What did you mean when you said you came up here on account of a story you heard about me? Well, Jim, uh, Bill Fay came to Dawson a few days ago and told us a story about a girl saving you from getting shot at the Northern Lights Cafe. Well, the story's true, Sergeant, and Kit here is the girl that done it. Well, miss, you're to be congratulated. That was very accurate shooting. Oh, I wasn't far away. I couldn't miss. Kit's the best shot I ever saw. She beats any man I know. Well, except maybe you, Sergeant. Did you get a good look at this man? There was too much excitement. Everything happened so fast. Why did this story bring you up here, Sergeant? Because I'm after a man who did something very similar in Dawson. Except that his victim didn't have the good fortune to have Kit nearby. Got shot. What? You don't mean it. And you think it's the same man? Well, Bill remembered vaguely what he looked like. Description fitted the man I'm looking for. His actions fitted, too. Quick temper, heavy drinker. This man sure wasn't handy with a gun. Oh? He fumbled around and took so long getting it aimed that I had plenty of time to plug it. Remember, kid, he'd been drinking. And you don't call anyone handy with a gun unless he can draw like greased lightning. I spent a week trying to trace him in Dawson, but he must have left the night he shot Pete. This is the first lead I've had. We haven't seen hide nor hair of him since. Of course, we haven't been in the town. I stopped at the Northern Lights Cafe in town. Nobody'd seen or heard anything of him. I doubt that he stayed around here very long. He probably went over the border. Uh, did the man he shot in Dawson die? No, he didn't. But he's also wanted for a murder in Montreal. Gosh, you Mounties sure cover territory fast, don't you? We have to. Anyway, you'd better be careful, kid. This man's dangerous. He's hiding around here somewhere. He might want to get even with him for what you did. Let him try it. The next time I take a shot at him, I won't be aiming at his gun. You did make a fool out of him, Kit. The next time, I'll make a sieve out of him. <laughs> well, seriously, I'd stay close to the house if I were you. You better quit taking walks through the woods the way you do. Don't you worry about me. I'm not afraid of any two-penny varmint who goes around shooting at old men. I guess she's right. She'd be a match for him. I guess I better go down and get Grandpa now. He never knows what time it is. <laughs> You'll be staying for supper, won't you, Sergeant? Why, uh, thanks, but I'd better not. I've got to go back to town and question some people. Maybe I'll have better luck tonight. Well, we'll be seeing a lot of you while you're here, I hope. You're a darn tootin' we will. You'd better spend some time with us, or I'll know the reason why. That night, a light snow was falling as Sergeant Preston walked along the main street of Forty Mile. Suddenly, a dog team drew up and stopped beside him. Oh, oh you hustle, oh. Hey, Monty. Yes? I'm Bob Jenkins, clerk at the claims office. Yes? A friend of mine's just been shot about two miles from here east of town. Can you come back with me, Sergeant? Oh, yes, right away. I'll leave the dogs in my sled here. I got a heavy load. Been on a hunting trip. There's Sam Peavy. He'll take care of them for me. We'll go straight back. Who's the man who's been shot? His name is Jed Smith. Is the cabin much farther? We're almost there. And you say you can't think of anyone who might want to murder Jed? He didn't have an enemy in the world. Mm. I was his best friend, Sergeant. I'd know if anyone would. Well, did he have any money? Could somebody have killed him and robbed him? Well, he had a claim, but it wasn't much good. Well, Jed just had bad luck, that's all. He had a claim that he thought was worthless, and he left it. Some lucky stiff from outside came in and found gold on it. And Jed swore there wasn't a smell of gold on the place. Poor fella. 
Wouldn't let me tell anyone. I'm afraid they'd all laugh at him. Well, didn't the man who found it tell people? I know. He's the one who got into that shooting scrape with Jim Bruce. What? Never comes to town. Well, he said he wouldn't say anything to anyone. You mean the man that had the gun shot out of his hand by that girl? Well, yeah, yeah, that's the one. What well, didn't anybody in town tell you I was looking for him? Well, I hadn't been in town for three days. I was on a hunting trip. That's why I happened to stop at Jed's on the way home. Well, where is this claim of Jed's? Fox Creek, the other side of town. An old shack on it. Say, uh, is the man's name Rankin? His real name is Mason. Can you remember if he had a scar on his right cheek above his beard? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. And did you notice whether the top of his left ear is missing? I never saw him without his fur cap and always had the ear laps pulled down. That's our man. Does anyone except you know that he's living on Fox Creek? I never told anybody on account of Jed. Jed was the only one that knew. Maybe it's a good thing you weren't in town tonight. You might have had a bullet in you by now. Yeah, but why would he file a claim like that if he was going to hide out? He must have done it to keep anyone else from coming there. And he must have had some other reason. You and Jed were the only ones who knew he was living in that cabin, weren't you? Well, as far as I know, we were. Mm. He knew we wouldn't tell anyone on account of Jed's being a laughingstock for leaving a good claim. I think you'd better stay with me tonight, Bob, for your own safety. Here's Jed's cabin. Now, there's no use looking for tracks around it. The snow's covered everything. Let's go in. One in, King. <laughs> Left the light burning in it. There's Jed's body, Sergeant. Shot in the head. No sign of a struggle. Jed sure didn't suspect the man who did it. I don't see why Rankin would want to kill him. Rankin, as you call him, may have heard some way that I was in town looking for him. You and Jed were the only ones who knew he was still here. You wasted no time quieting Jed. You might have been next. That's why you want me to stay with you tonight? Yes, Bob. And tomorrow morning, I want you to show me where Rankin's cabin is. Look at that dog, Sergeant. I bet he knows the man we're after. Yeah, and if he could talk, it'd help, too. King can almost talk. And I think he knows the man I'm looking for right now. The following morning, Bob and Sergeant Preston went to the cabin of the man who called himself Jace Rankin. The Mountie left his dog team in town, but King was close at his side. As they cautiously approached the cabin, Sergeant Preston noticed footprints in the new-fallen snow. I guess we don't have to be too careful, Bob. These tracks lead away from the cabin, and there aren't any leading back. Yeah, you're right, Sergeant. Guess we got here a little too late. He's gone. Let's have a look at his cabin anyway. Door's unlocked. Hmm. Nobody home, though. Sure is a dirty place. Here's some old shovels and a pickaxe. Thick with rust. Well, he sure hasn't been doing any mining with those. You know, uh, I can't understand why he's staying here. The border's so close, he could have been well into Alaska by this time. Hey, here's an old tool chest. Wonder what's in it. It's locked. Locked? Now, wait, I'll shoot the lock off. This might explain a lot of things. Get back, King. Hey, that did it. Yeah, I'll open it. Look. It's full of white rock. Why, it's gold. That rock's laced with gold. Gold from a very rich vein. Come on, Bob, we're following those tracks. Beginning to be worried about Jim and Kit. Yeah, we better find this man fast. These tracks lead right in the direction of Jim Bruce's mine. Think he's been stealing gold from that claim? Maybe. I'm worried about Jim and Kit, Bob. He may be trying to harm them some way. 
wonder if I ought to go to their cabin first. You want me to go over there and see, Sergeant? The cabin's about a quarter of a mile through the woods. Tell you what to do, Bob. You take King with you. If Kit's in the cabin, leave the dog with her for protection. I'll go straight to the mine from here. What if she's not there? Well, then just tell King to find me. He will. You think he'll go with me? He will if I tell him to. Go with Bob, King. <laughs> Come on. Go with him, fella. Go on. As Sergeant Preston approached the mine shaft that led into a hillside, he heard the voices of Kit and a strange man. A light was burning inside the shaft, and the Mountie walked toward it softly. Now you're getting out of here, I tell you. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not taking orders. I'm giving them. I'm staying right here. And I say you're leaving. The lady's right, Mason. You're leaving with me. You're under arrest. Mountie. Sergeant Preston. And over that gun, Mason. Thanks. I've been trailing you for a long time, ever since you shot Dan Wilkins in Dawson. I don't know what you're talking about. My name's Rankin. That's the name you've been going by in 40 miles. Come on, you're coming with me. Just a minute, Mountie. Put up your what? hands. What? Put them up, I say. You know how well I can shoot. <laughs> you didn't know we were partners, did you, Mountie? I keep them covered, Kit. Now take that gun out of this hole. No, you don't. Oh, my arm. Don't move or I'll break it. Don't shoot, Kit. You'll hit me. You'll make a good shield. You shoot at me, you'll kill him, Kit. You move fast, don't you, Sergeant? But I guess you forget how well I can shoot. Jace ain't covering all of you. You're too big. Now hold still, Jace, and I'll pick him off around the edges. No, Kit. Don't shoot. You'll kill me. Don't go yellow on me now. I used to shoot cigarettes out of your mouth. The time I shot the top off your ear, I meant to do it. Now hold still. There goes your hat, Mountie. You shouldn't have ducked. This time I'll get you. At Jim's cabin, Bob had turned King back when he found Kit was not there. The great dog retraced his trail to the point where Preston had left him and then sped like an arrow in the direction of the mine. As he approached, he heard the sound of gunshots. Sensing that his master was in danger, raced madly into the entrance and leaped straight at the hand that held the gun blazing at the Mountie. My arm! Take him off! Help! Stop it! Take this dog away! Where are you, Mason? Take this dog away! Call him off! Get your gun first, Kit. There. All right, King. Back. Let her up, boy. Get up, Kit. You're not hurt. Keep him away from me. I... I thought you said he wouldn't bite a woman. He will, if she's trying to kill me. So you were part of all this. Getting to understand things now. This is why Mason was staying in 40 Mile. You can't prove a thing. Your grandfather's in on this, too. Well, Mason seems to be coming, too. How did that dog of yours get here? I sent him up to Jim's cabin to protect you. When you weren't there, they sent him back to me. He got here just in time. Come on, Kit. You and Mason and I are going back to the cabin and find your grandfather. When Sergeant Preston entered Jim Bruce's cabin with his two prisoners, Jim rushed toward them. I'm so glad you got to the mine in time, Sergeant. Are you all right, Kit? Bob told me they'd track this man. Jim... I'm afraid I have something to tell you that's going to be rather a shock. A shock? Kit and Mason here are partners. Partners? What do you mean? Why, Kit shot the gun out of his hand when he tried to shoot me in the cafe that day. That was all part of their scheme. It was all planned. Kit used to work with Mason in a sharpshooting act in Montreal. What? Why, 
can't believe it. It's not true. It was a clever idea, all right, Kit. Getting in with Jim the way you did. Keeping him up here at the cabin, teaching him to shoot. While your grandfather and Mason took all the gold they could get out of his mine. You mean this man was working in my mine with old Andy? And they were carrying what they took out of it back to his cabin. But they knew I'd find out about it soon. That's one thing I can't quite figure out. Where's Kit's grandfather? Oh, Andy was here just before you came. He went back into the bedroom. Oh, just to... Stick up your hands, what? all of you. Your shotgun will blow the brains off anyone who tries anything. No, Grandpa. Don't shoot that gun. It'll kill you. Drop it. What? What do you mean? Give me that gun, Andy. Don't shoot it, Grandpa. What's wrong with it? We'll soon find out. Oh. It's a good thing you didn't shoot this gun, Andy. It would have blown your head off. Why, that's the gun I was going to learn to shoot this afternoon. Oh? Kit said I'd do better with a shotgun. And Kit had fixed the gun with enough explosives to blow your head off when you pulled the trigger. So that was it, Kit. That's why you wanted me to leave here. You were going to kill the old man off so you and Grandpa could keep the gold mine for yourself. Shut up, James. I won't shut up. That's why you told me yesterday that Sergeant Preston was looking for me. So that's how you found it out. And that's why you killed Jed Smith, Mason. So he couldn't tell me where you were. He's a fool. He's always too ready to use that gun of his. If it hadn't been for you, Jace, we'd never have been caught. And if my dog hadn't got to the mine in time, I wouldn't be here to put you all under arrest. I'm doing that right now, all three of you. Get ready, you're coming with me. I told you, Kit, we should have got rid of that killer. Shut up, you old galooter. Get over there, Andy, and all three of you be quiet. I, uh, I don't know how to thank you, Sergeant. They sure had me fooled. If it hadn't been for you and King... We're, uh... Both indebted to King, Jim. Yes, old fella. Thanks to you, the case is closed. The Challenge of the Yukon, a copyrighted feature, is brought to you each week at this time, and all characters, names, and incidents used are fictitious. Listen again next week to another exciting adventure during the days of the gold rush. L. Prow speaking. This program came to you from Detroit. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Duffy's Tavern, followed by Escape. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.